You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our infancy peaks, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 95 of our listener feedback show, what we call Sci-Fi Diner Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. Hi, I'm Sierra Garcia. And we are here tonight to talk about everything that's going on in the world of sci-fi, or at least a lot of it, and uh, talk about what we're excited about and uh, what you're excited about. And uh, we're, we're coming up with Thanksgiving here in the U.S. I know mm-hmm. that not every country listen, uh, listens to that or uh, celebrates that, I should say. But, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for our listeners, and that's kind of what this show's about. I am, too. We have some fantastic listeners. We're, we're, we're having a good time just... Uh talking about sci-fi and letting us know, hey, maybe you should check this this out too. And it's like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool too. Yeah, absolutely. I learned just as much from them. And, you know, I'm, I'm thank- a lot of people retweeting when we post. And, uh, I lost you guys. Uh, retweeting when I, can Here you hear me. us? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? I feel like I'm on a ri- yeah. Verizon commercial. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, but uh, no, that's fine. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of retweet, a lot of retweeting. I can't even speak here. A lot of retweeting and sharing the love when we post, and that's always awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people supporting us through the Amazon affiliate store that we have. You know, Black Friday's coming up, Black Thursday in a lot of places. Um, uh, but if you are looking to go out or shop this holiday season, we would love to have you support us by contributing to the Sci-Fi Diner. Just go to the Sci-Fi Diner page, sci-fi diner.com, and shop through our affiliate page. And we would love to uh, – we get a little bit of a kickback, and you get your shopping done. It's all good for everyone. Amazon is a great store. has just about everything you, you could possibly need, yeah. especially for Christmas. Yeah, but I uh, – They I, have literally the kitchen sink. Yep, yeah, literally. You can order everything – and the kitchen sink because they have those. I have bought a stovetop through Amazon. Okay. And installed really? it myself. Yep, I did. Yep. Nice. So, yeah, you can you can literally buy the kitchen sink. I'm sure if you search kitchen sink, you can buy it. But <laughs> that's for sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we were kind of into or what we've been watching. And if it's TV shows and the like, we can mention them. But we'll probably talk about those a little bit later. But what are some things that we kind of consumed over the past couple of weeks here in the world of sci-fi? M, can I put you on the docket being that you've had so much time off? What have you what have you been consuming in the world of sci-fi? I've been consuming a lot of Percocet. <laughs> <laughs> and that made all the sci-fi you watched even more interesting. It made it more tolerable. Um, I got th- I finally got through Lord of the Rings, the audiobook. Oh my God! So much singing. <laughs> Enough of the songs. The road goes and then ever, I'm on. Ever. Sorry. Oh my God! <laughs> and then Game of I'm on Game of Thrones, the audiobook, which is much better to have the story be told to you than try and tell yourself the story. I think because I've watched the TV show so much, I expect something, and I'm not getting it from reading it. Yeah. So having the book read to me, it's actually it's the first thing I put on in the recovery room. Was that book? To kind of help me stay awake, and I it 
it really screws with your dreams, baby. But <laughs> it's excellent. And then there's a lot of TV. Yeah, especially with TV Jamie and movie. his sister. Sorry, but go ahead. <laughs> I don't remember that part. <laughs> but there's been some great TV that I've been able to actually watch in real time and, and see what the listeners are saying, and it's very cool. Awesome. Awesome. Miles, how about you? Friday night, my wife and I saw um, Hunger Games 2, uh, Catching Fire. That, that was very good. And Ooh. so... It's worth seeing the movie theaters if you can. Um, my wife is, has already read, read read through the books, and, and her her thoughts. Um, well, I'll talk about that when we, we actually do that. But, so, but we we did enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and we uh, watched uh, Almost Human last night. We really enjoyed that. Um, also, Arrow is still is is still doing great. Uh, Walking Dead uh, still doing still doing real good there. Um, I know a lot of people may have starting to written off um, Marvel, uh, Marvel um, Agents of Shield, but um, last episode was interesting, so yeah. we're still enjoying that. Yeah, I'm, I too am watching that. I, I've kind of stayed up with that. I'm not quite through the uh, the, the post Thor episode, mm-hmm. um, and there was of course one airing tonight, so I'm going to be behind again. But I've really been enjoying that overall, and. It may not be my favorite show out there, but it has my interest enough. And I think because I'm interested in the universe that I'm keep, I keep looking for bits of that to kind of shine through. And it does. He kind of gives us. Um, it's not the dialogue. There's no way that the dialogue is not quite as sharp as Firefly was, which mm-hmm. is something I was kind of hoping for. Yeah. But I'm enjoying it enough to continue watching it. So, And the, the thread with uh, Agent Coulson is still interesting as far as. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That that him coming back from the dead is a big mystery, and uh, sky also the skyline as far mm-hmm. no pun intended there <laughs> the uh, sky storyline um, with uh, figuring out who our parents was mm-hmm. and then you find out there's someone there, there has there has to be a pretty uber connection there somewhere I imagine mm-hmm. they better I'm not be let... dis- go ahead oh sorry no go ahead M. oh no I'm just gonna be disappointed if like you know oh my God Colson's your father yeah that would That's be good. bad like I, like make it make it Thor. I don't know, or something. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America or Nick Fury. Well, that maybe doesn't make sense, but but you still, know. you never know. You never know. You never know. That's right. That's right. Um, and I, I did watch the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special. Oh, I loved it. Did you watch it? Um, mm-hmm. I watched it during the I was the during the simulcast. I wasn't in the theaters. I had friends in the theaters. Oh, I loved it. It was. <laughs> Divine. Do we have a moment where we're going to talk about We that do, show? we do, but okay, I, I, can't, I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, all right, well, why don't we move into our first piece of listener feedback, and this comes from Colin from England, who sent in some audio. So let me go ahead and play it, and, um, and then we'll touch base after we listen to this. Hi, Scott. Hi, Miles. It's Colin. Hi, I am. Um, I just want to say that I've seen Superman uh, DVD release version on Blu-ray and having seen it in the cinema, as you know, then I can attest that the working from the big screen to the small screen is is good. It's, it's um, It doesn't take anything out of the film. So if those of you that are women and are in the body and shall I watch it on Netflix or shall I not watch it on Netflix... Um, then yeah, I would I would say watch on Netflix and or get the DVD, whichever you prefer. Also over here, the BBC is singing its own praises after breaking uh, the world record for the most simulcast episode of Doctor Who ever, 
and apparently they broke various other records in the process as well. So BBC is over the moon about the success of the 50th Day of the Doctor episode. Uh, I dare say you'll get loads of feedback in about that to do, so I'll leave that to the Whovians, as we say. Um, the only thing that's going on over here is I did some checking because uh, about Atlantis, and apparently it's supposed to be coming to BBC America next year. Um, so I, I sent some emails off and stuff. So you guys might be able to enjoy it on BBC America next year. It's ba- it's, make- it's made by the people who made Merlin. So if you enjoyed Merlin, then you'll enjoy Atlantis because it's very much in a similar vein, but obviously with Greek mythology as opposed to ancient British mythology. So, um, yeah, check it out if it comes over. It's worth a try. Uh, I'm still watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I'm still enjoying it. Um, it's nice that they tied in recent episode with uh, the movie uh, for Dark World. So, But you don't have to have watched for the Dark World to know about it because the, the episode stands on its own. But if you have watched the film, you can kind of tie it in in your own head. Um so yeah, that was that was a good recent episode. I still think it needs to increase in pace though. Um, it's still plodding a bit, so you need to need to up the action more and up the tempo a bit more. Uh, but they they are doing this thing at the end of each episode now, where you get a bit another snippet of who or what is Agent Coulson. So I dare say that's the thread that's going to run through it. But I can also see some people, if you track a thread on too long, people get annoyed and fed up with it. So. I think they need to wrap that up uh, before the end of the season or series. So, but yeah, um, not a lot else happening on the telly over here. As you know, it's this time of year when the media is gearing up for Christmas and our TV is just full of reality TV rubbish, which I don't watch. So, um, roll on next year. Although Hunger Games is, is coming out soon, so that'll be something to look forward to. So anyway, take care guys, I'll speak to you soon, live long and podcast. Oh, just remembered, I forgot to say how neglectful of me. Thank you very much for the 100th episode voicemail. And I think you would be doing the diner listeners a disservice if you didn't play it. Because it's freaking hilarious. I was holding my side laughing, um, and you need to work on the accents a bit more guys. But... <laughs> But yeah, greatly appreciate doing it. So yeah, I'm sure Emma would like to hear it and all. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I'll go again there. All right. Well, thank you, Colin, for calling in and giving us your thoughts on the various shows. And uh, we're glad you enjoyed our uh, 100th episode voicemail. We'll play that. Um, do you want to hear that? Yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll play that here in just a second. Should we make our wait, or should we play it now and then go into the feedback? We can go into the feedback. Yeah. We'll go into the feedback and we'll play it here in just a little bit. So Colin uh, said that Superman translated well over the DVD. I've been meaning to rent that again because I, I only got to see it once in the theaters. I, it was so good. I, I definitely have to it see it again. It was good. I mean, we did a whole review show on it. I mm-hmm. liked it and it wasn't perfect, but it was good. And Em, have you seen this on DVD since it's been out? I haven't. Um, I have a digital copy. Oh, so kinda, I haven't. Kind of not surprised by that, are you? <laughs> not at I, all. You probably had that like the day after it came out. I, I did download <laughs> it the day it was available. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I am waiting for a box set because I know that there will be one. Yeah. Because, uh, because there will. Yep. So 
that's what I'm waiting for is the Blu-ray box set. Yeah. And the Doctor Who uh, simulcast Guinness Book of World Record record per- period where they simulcast, it was, I think, the most people. I don't even know what the number was. It was huge. Mm-hmm. It was huge. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I saw pictures of what uh, it was uh, Stephen Moffat and uh, Matt Smith and the Guinness Book of World Record guy all standing there with a plaque, you know. Nice. <laughs> oh, you know, um, so what does this mean, the fact that they've gained it, that, there's, that England's all abuzz, that Brit- Britain's all abuzz, that this happened, and they set the world record? What does that mean for us as fans? Well, as fans, uh, the Whovians will still get plenty of Doctor Who. Yeah, it means that we're going to be getting a lot more Doctor Who. I mean, Doctor Who has a very good future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, to me, it means it's it's not just a British show. It means that it has it's a global appeal show. Yeah. That in this show is simulcast globally. Theaters were sold out globally. Yeah. That that stuff doesn't just happen. That there is a true that Doctor Who will never ever go away because it has a global following and it no longer belongs to just England anymore. Everyone has a piece of the of the doctor within them and wants to keep it and wants to be a part of it and that's that's fantastic. You know, this is an interesting thing that they've done because you don't see many TV shows saying, "Well, let's let's do the premiere, let's do the or let's do this um in the movie theater." You know, this is something that's a bit unusual to say, "Let's take a TV episode and let's make a double episode and put it in the theater." Um, not with and, the, not with not, not with the current TV show. No. Not with not with the current mm. TV show. And then mm-hmm. you have so then you have something like Doctor Who and and they did sell out. Like um, I assume M, your friends went Saturday to see it. Yes. Yeah. So in our area in the Penn Cinema, they aired it two days after. I don't know. Maybe they couldn't get it in that Saturday, but they aired, and it was still sold out. Like people saw it Saturday night and then went and saw it in the theater. Holy cow! So it was pretty amazing. That it certainly uh, certainly had a huge impact. So. I did not see the theater. I downloaded the digital copy of it, <laughs> uh, but I uh, so I supported it. But I loved it, and it was. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, Atlantis. Uh, we talked about this briefly. We said, well, it's not available here, and apparently, we're getting it next year. Hmm. It show- was shown on Saturday. What was they that? showed it on BBC America after the, the after the second airing of the Doctor Who special. They showed it on BBC America. Did you watch? I don't it? know. I watched, I fell asleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm medicated. Right. So that's part of it. But I just, I didn't fall in love. So I need to sit down and see if they've released at least that pilot episode for watching. And I, and then. So you kind of jumped into maybe like, a, you, you maybe jumped in like the middle of the series or something? No, I watched the, it's the very first episode of who this dude is and how he ended up in Atlantis and why he's so important. And I, I, I'd like to see it completely because I, you know, it was, I saw the commercial for it while I was watching and um, while I was watching Doctor Who, um, I wonder if it's something they might change their mind on because I was not expecting to see the Atlantis preview that, Mm. that pilot taster that on Saturday, um, but maybe one of the listeners might have more info on that. I just haven't done the research. Right, right. And if you have more info, let us know, listeners. one 508 And um, as far as Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, we, he's talking about the tie-in episode, which, mm-hmm. of course, ties into Thor and the whole um, – in the, in the movie that was just released. Um, not needed to necessarily watch that because I didn't watch Thor in the theaters. Or the second floor in the theaters, um, and I've been enjoying it. 
Um, he's kind of said that Thor, that, that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. needs to up the ante. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Emma, you, you're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What do you think about that comment? I don't really understand the comment. I'll tell you the truth. Um, but let me think about it. Again, I'm medicated. Give me right, some. right, right. <laughs> I, you can't compare the show to the movie. Right. You just can't. And when you go from movie to show... Yes, there's you need to they need to they need to, 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 to put more money into the pot big time and bet high to keep up. But I think for a TV show they're doing pretty well. The storyline is interesting. There's some little hints of interesting things here. There's hints of very cool cameos, kinda like, you know, we had with um Fury. So maybe that's what he's talking about, that it has to keep up with the movie. But yeah. I d I don't think it needs to. I think the thing that bothers me is at the end of the episode, he's right. They, they drop these hints of these big things like what happened in Tahiti or, you know, what's going on? Like, who is um, uh, what's her face's uh, parents? Mm-hmm. Um, Skies. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name. Sky, we just got on talking about, but who's Sky's parents? And I just couldn't, you know, and you're like, uh, uh, but then they don't really follow it up quite as much as maybe I, you, you wish. And, um, is that a Whedon thing? Is that a Whedon writing style thing? I don't know. I just don't recall him doing that. He certainly didn't do it in Firefly. No, he definitely didn't do it in Firefly. Um, did he do it in Dollhouse? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know how much. How many? How many? Up, I, 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 we can look this up in IMDb, which I'm not going to do right now. But is Whedon penning all the scripts for these shows? I don't think so. I think he's just kind of. Is- Brother and his sister-in-law are. Right, I think right. he's involved in storyline. I don't think he's penning. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, just a little side note. This is kind of a uh, uh, a Whedon. You said brother and sister-in-law. The whole um, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog mm-hmm. where they have Neil, Neil Patrick Harris singing. I was watching a, um episode of Batman, The Brave and the Bold yeah. uh, mm-hmm. with, my, um, with my son. And... And they had a they had a total musical episode, <laughs> and the villain is sung by Neil Patrick Harris. Cool. <laughs> so I thought, oh, look at this. So that was really good. I forget the name of the episode, but it was awesome. But anyways, a little side rant in that. But thanks, Colin, for sharing your thoughts on those. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll play just for the just for you you guys' sakes, and so M, you can hear this too. This is the feedback that we gave Colin on his 100th episode of reaching his milestone. So uh, (laughs) um, that's all I'm going to say to that. Here it is. Well, hello there, Colin. Colin? Who's Colin? Oh, he's that guy from Days of Our Lives. No, no, that's not it. No, no, you're thinking of somebody else. Who's, who is Colin? He's that guy from that Star Trek show. Oh, right, right. He, he, he. I, I hear he's turning a hundred years old. Oh, okay. I feel bad for him then. Yes, uh, he's jo- he's joining the podcasting geriatric community. We should welcome him. Yes, yes. We should give him a, a, a care package. Yes, yes. Uh, we'll, we'll send a package of the pens. Yes, yes, and, 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 and Geritol. Yes, yes. Oh, oh, don't forget, uh, he'll need something to clean his false teeth. Oh, yes, uh, did, 
these dentures, right? Yes, 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 yes. Mm. Has anybody seen my false teeth anyplace? No, no. Oh, it's... I, th- I think they went in the trash compactor. Oh, okay. Well, Colin, we just want to wish you the best for uh, your 100 episodes. Thank you for everything you've done for the Sci-Fi Diner podcast, everything you post on YouTube for us. We love you, man, and we look forward to continuing our relationship with you and for another 100 episodes of Truck News and Views. And, Colin, congratulations to reaching 100 podcasts. Many podcasts don't reach that, and so the fact that you uh, you know, you know, kept that, that your podcast kept getting better and better, and... Um, so congratulations to 100, and, and here's to 100 more. That's right. You have survived. Till next time, Colin. Good night. And good luck. Aw, that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that was the voice message that we sent to Colin that he was referring to. So, nice. Yeah. Join the podcasting geriatric community. All right. Nice. Well, let's move into some other listener uh, feedback. This is from Lola, who's a longtime listener, been listening to us since 2010 miles. Wow, that's a while. That is. That's, Jen, her and Jem M, I think, are in uh, competition because mm-hmm. she's been with Lola's us almost from the beginning. Such a great name, too. I yeah. love it. Isn't it? Lola Larisi. La I think that's the way, the way you say it. Lola Larisi. Hello. Yeah, I just love that name. That's great. Wow. So anyways, this is what she writes. I've been listening to the Sci-Fi Diner since 2010. I first heard you via Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. I know you, Miles, and M talk about books sometime, and I thought you might like my book. Uh, Trudy Lem, Spaceship Captain Earth Detective. It's about one heck of a crazy, contrary, just plain foul spaceship captain and her co-pilot, Minder, Aurora. It has a few cuss words, no F-bombs, and one chapter I would consider eh, a little racy. Um, but if that doesn't bother you, I think you'd enjoy the book overall. If you don't want to read it, I understand. We'll, we'll read it, of course. Um, and if you know anyone else who might like it, though, I'd love to have you forward a copy. So uh, my poor little books need some attention. So, uh, thank you for sending us the book. And what I'm going to do, uh, Miles M, and for you listeners out there, um, I believe she's kind of giving us a blessing to kind of post it on our okay. on our on our page. So I'll post it up there so you guys can download nice. it and you can kind of read it for yourself. Uh, and I'll put both the thank EPUB you. version and the Moby version up there for it. And uh, maybe we can generate some traffic or direction, uh, Lola, and some feedback. So if you want to, make sure you check out her website. You can probably just do a search for it and uh, and give her some feedback on that. Uh, Miles, do you want to read this uh, little uh, uh, feedback from Mark? Sure. And so Mark says, an origin story for Peter Pan? Hmm. Can't we have the original ideas anymore? Also, why does every property need to be, have a dark treatment? Can't children have fairy tales that are happy, positive, innocent, without someone wanting to redo them darkly or give them a dark past? Fairy tales already have dark undertones to them. Pinocchio, Dumbo, Snow White, Bambi. Most Disney stories have levels of understanding for adults that children are exposed to without being specifically given a, a Batman Begins treatment. It allows parents to have discussions with children about the dark aspects, but the, but the parents' discretion. What's next? A dark origin for Mary Poppins? Ooh. <laughs> I kind of like that. <laughs> what can we do with that? <laughs> the first thing that popped into my mind was, what is opposite of Mary Poppins? Oh, she's a stripper in Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mary Poppins' former life, or alter ego. Right. Um, Mary- I got to tell you, Go I'm with Mark on this. I'm fervently like, I'm, I'm, I'm on what, I don't, I know he's he's probably referring to the movies that are coming out, but possibly the la- the latest episode of Once Upon a Time. 
where there's a lot of stuff revealed about Pan. I don't, are you guys watching Once Upon a Time? We are not, so you can go ahead and spoil it for us. Okay. So they brought Pan in, and there's this whole thing with Pan and Rumpelstiltskin, and everybody's somehow related to somebody else, and it turns out that Peter Pan is actually the father of Rumpelstiltskin. I'm watching, and I'm... I just I was I was mad. I was watching it on Hulu, and I actually I I broke up with it right then and there. I watched the last of the episode, and I thought that's not that's not true. And I watched the last ten minutes again, and I thought that's it, that's done. I pulled it off my favorites list. We are done. It's not me. Once upon a time, it's you. <laughs> I, I don't I I don't understand the need to take something so sweet and special from a child one's childhood. And turn it into this dark and creepy thing. Well, you know? especially when you have like Peter Pan's kind of this young, youthful. I don't know how they're portraying him in Once Upon a Time, but typically viewed as being young and youthful. And Rumble Skillskin is kind of like Robert Carlyle, you know, you know, o- older. Is that his name? Isn't that the actor that plays him? The guy from right. us? Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you know, he's this old, older guy that you know, we put the two together. Like, okay, this doesn't work. Just from a practical standpoint. Well, in the show. Peter Pan is this adult and he wants to find his youth again. He wants to find his life and his joy again. And he has this little boy and he, I I have paid attention. And and when I've watched, he sacrifices his son for his youth to be in this beautiful place called Neverland and continue to be a young boy and do what he wants. But with magic comes a price and he gets X amount of years as this young boy that he has to replenish everything. So he sacrifices losing his son and totally abandoning Rumpelstiltskin, which, you know, that's an interesting origin story. And, you know, haha, I'm Peter Pan. I'm one of the lost boys. No, you're not a lost boy. You're a deadbeat dad. You're a jerk. <laughs> Screw that noise. No, absolutely not. And so in this next episode, in this episode, they've stolen the little boy who saves Storybrooke, who turns out to be the grandson of Rumpelstiltskin, so the great-grandson of Pan, and now he's a deadbeat great-great-grandpa. And just awful, awful. I, I, I don't need it. I don't want it. Just cut it out. All right, I'm better. All right. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I hear what you're saying, and this ties in again, you know, Stop messing with some of our um, – on one hand, I take a show like Grimm that messes with the Grimm's fairy tales, puts a modern mm-hmm. twist on them and kind of beefs them up a little bit. But there's no way that you would ever misinterpret Grimm for the Grimm's fairy tales. Mm-hmm. And maybe you can argue the same for Once Upon a Time. But when you come down to like – well, let's do a Peter Pan origin story or let's do a Mary Poppins origin story, right? You're messing with something that people have identified a certain, you know, element of their childhood with. But I don't know. I, you know, I, I had the whole same feeling. I had a, I had a professor in, in college. It was a huge um, into the feminist movement. And they, there, was a, there was a lady or, uh, that, wrote fem, that rewrote the fairy tales from a feminist perspective. And uh. and I and I'm all for that grant create that creativity, but there's there's a certain point where you just don't mess with the original one. Write your own fairy tale, mm-hmm. you know, and and make it your own. And let's not mess. We don't have to make everything non-gender specific or whatever. 
whatever, I'm done. Reminds me of um, these books were popular about you know, 15 years ago, uh, Politically Correct Bedtime Stories. Well, I think that's probably one of the ones I'm thinking of. But. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mark, for uh, getting us off on that tangent. And uh, we do appreciate you writing in here. Um, Floyd S. also called in and gave some feedback, and he wanted to talk a little bit about Ender's Game. And so uh, let's hear what uh, Floyd has to say. Greetings, Sci-Fi Diner crew. This is Floyd in Aurora, Colorado. I thought I would record a message rather than writing or leaving a crackly voicemail. I wanted to leave some thoughts for your next listener feedback show or whatever show you choose to put this message in. So here are my thoughts on some recent genre film releases. Sorry about that. That was my dog. I don't know if the mic picked that up. So Ender's Game. While there may be some criticisms of the movie because of its departure from the novel, the nature of adapting any work from one medium to another means that changes to story, character, pacing, and plot must be made. I'm not a purist or a nerd guardian when it comes to that. Lord of the Rings, the Peter Jackson movie, movies, I should say, uh, was a big lesson for me. After all, a book is a book and, is a, and a movie is a movie. Looking at Ender's Game, the movie, as a standalone narrative experience, I gotta say that it sucks on a multitude of levels. Despite great production value, the movie's fundamental flaw is that the story is trying to accomplish so much by introducing various narrative threads that it ends up not developing any of them very well. And ultimately, that just leads to a really unsatisfying movie-watching experience. One of the hallmark axioms in storytelling is the show-don't-tell concept. Ender's Game's ambitious story necessitates telling a great deal in terms of exposition, various plot and character points, in order to keep the story moving forward. The film often undermines that exposition by showing us images that contradict it, as an example, we're told in a couple different scenes that Ender and his command staff, you know, his crew that are helping him do this thing he's trying to do, we're told that they're being worked to the point of near exhaustion. But whenever we see them, they're energetic and focused and excited, um, where there's supposed to be this sense of just kind of fatigue and, and the burden of command and sort of combat exhaustion. Um, it just looks kind of bullgummy and campy and they're high-fiving each other and it just doesn't make any sense. The characters have no room to breathe because the story has to keep moving forward. I didn't really have any chance to develop any empathy or emotional investment in anyone on screen because I felt like I didn't get to know any of them. The performances are very stiff and wooden and lifeless and the characters seem to be pushed through the motions of the plot. I don't think this is a flaw of the actors, but really a, a flaw of the writing. Um, to sum up, I would see G.I. Joe Retaliation before I would see Ender's Game again. And what I mean by that is that at no point during G.I. Joe Retaliation, and yeah, I actually watched that movie, at no point during that movie did you get the sense from the movie that it was trying to be good. Um, it, it, it unabashedly, unapologetically is just this kind of mindless... Uh, shoot them up, blow them up, a romp, and it, it's never. It, 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 in the words of uh, one of my best friends, it never thinks that it's actually a movie. And the problem with Ender's Game is that it thinks it's Ender's Game. Um, it's just convoluted and confused. There are moments in the movie where I found myself uh, laughing out loud at parts that were clearly not supposed to be funny. Um, I, I just thought it was just an abysmal failure. Contrast that with Thor, uh, The Dark World. I really dug this movie. Uh, it was a lot of fun. 
The action was not, get ready for it, overly masturbatory. The characterization was consistent, and the story accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. Uh, uh, par for the course with the other Marvel movies. The humor is really good, though I think a bit less would have been better. Too much humor can rob the story of any jeopardy, and suddenly the mighty Thor just becomes a Will Ferrell character, Will Ferrell character with a hammer. I would have liked to see the Sif Thor and Sif Jane dynamic developed a bit more, but all in all, really, it was a solid, fun adventure movie. Um, on the TV front, I'm Huluing Agents of Shield. I broke up with TV the last election cycle just because I couldn't take the commercials anymore, and really, after Battlestar, uh, I just couldn't find anything I wanted to watch. But I'm enjoying this movie a lot, or the show, I should say. I'm enjoying Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a lot. It's definitely got its flaws, but I'm a big uh, Joss Whedon fanboy, and I love the surrogate family dynamic that the characters have. And while it's often way too campy for my taste, a big part of the fun for me is watching the, the larger story unfold, so I'm pretty much in. And I do like uh, the characters a lot and the dynamic between them. Um, on the book front, I'm about halfway through uh, Feast of Crows, which is the fourth book in the Game of Thrones series. I'm looking forward to the Blu-ray release of Season 3. Uh, I think that's in February. Um, kind of on the periphery of that, I would like to recommend a book. I'm rereading a book called uh, Zombie Spaceship Wasteland by Patton Oswalt. Uh, Patton Oswalt's a stand-up comedian and a character actor, and while this is not a, sci- a sci-fi work in the strictest sense, uh, in the sense that it's not a sci-fi work at all. I really highly recommend it. I hesitate to describe it as a book about growing up geek because it's really much more than that, but there is much a geek can relate to as an example. Uh, there's a wonderful epic poem where he describes uh, the conflicts of dawning sexual awareness described through a Dungeons & Dragons character, his last Dungeons & Dragons of ca- character that he played uh, as a boy. It's got all the smart, funny uh, insider geek references of a fictional work like Ready Player One and insider geek references on every level, music, books, comic books, video games, movies, TV. Um, but where the book really gets you is that this is a very grounded real-life experience of a real-life dork trying to find his way in the world. I love Patton Oswalt's stand-up, um, and as good as his stand-up is, he's an even better writer. So I really encourage you guys to check it out. So that's it for now. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. I'm always looking forward to the next episode dropping in the feed. Uh, Take care, and I'll uh, chime chime in again soon. Have a good one. Well, thank you, uh, Floyd, for calling in. Yeah, he was the guy that got us on that one uh, when Quick was being a, a masturbatory influence, remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Floyd, we really appreciate you calling and giving us your thoughts. I, just, just, I just wish he had an opinion about Ender's Game. Yeah, he, he absolutely, uh, he, he, he has to stop being on the fence, that's for sure. I know, he needs to make a decision one way or the other. <laughs> well, you know, um, Em, this is a bit of a different take on Ember. We kind of uh, talked about, from our end of things, about to see Ender's Game or not to see Ender's Game because of the author and his political ideals and stuff like that. But he doesn't even address that. He says he, he attacks the movie on its own. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on what he said, Em? Um, he was harsh. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate someone's... I, I mean, these are his deep opinions and they were well-constructed. And I have not seen the film yet. Um, and I'm I'm getting the two extremes um, 
of love it or hate it. I don't, I'm not getting a lot of people who like it. His his points were a little different about this the story wanting to be more than it is and it isn't. Um, it's I really want to see the film, but I want to see it in the big screen because I want the experience. I want the sound. I want the big comfy chair and the giant soda pop. Um, but I'm wondering now if it's something I should just wait for. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Jim Arrowwood gave this like whew, he loved this. He mm. loved it, you know. And it's been so long for me. It's been so long since I've read the book. I'd watch it and probably don't have a lot of connection. And he kind of pre- preempts it. He said, "I'm not really a purist, you know. A movie's a movie, a book's a book." But mm. he he is he kind of attacked it on feeling that the narrative was underdeveloped, uh, too much telling, and not a lot of emotional investments in the character. And mm. um, I mean, he made he made some valid points, right? Right. I don't I don't like a spoon-fed story and and the way he's tell the way he's describing it it sounds like we're being spoon-fed the story and I I've always been under the impression that this book tells itself. It doesn't need to be told. Right. 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 And uh, Miles, you didn't see it, did you? I haven't. I was going to wait till it becomes available on rental yeah. and Yeah. I, I still might see it on rental. Yeah. Uh, and Yeah. But no, it seems like he's F- Floyd is just his gripe is the way the movie, you know, the way everything the way was, it was delivered. The way it was delivered, yeah. yeah the way it was delivered, so. certainly. Well, listeners, uh, you heard what Floyd said. Do you agree, disagree about some of the points he's making here? Maybe even like the movie and still agree with them, and that's okay. Um, I-, I loved how you said he'd rather go see G.I. Joe Retaliation, and that's saying something. But I think you go into a movie like that kind of expecting. Like, I watched White House Down, right? Morgan Freeman and... Oh, my God. You know, did you? I did. You know what? It's, it's a good shoot 'em up action movie. I'm not going in there expecting great dialogue, even a phenomenal story. I just want to see explosions, shootings, blood spat. That's all I want. That's all I want. All right. and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm getting it. I'm getting it, you know, because it doesn't – it's not trying to be the next Academy Award winning movie. Hmm. But okay. that – and I want to see Morgan Freeman, but <laughs> – because he's just awesome. But uh, what do you think about what he said about Thor Dark World, Miles? I'm glad he liked it. We, you know, my wife and I liked it too. Um, as far as being too much humor or not, that's eh, that's tough to say. I'm, I'm not complaining that it was funny. It Those was, movies always, always have that element of you know it's, of humor and the balance of it. Mm-hmm. Mm. But um, did you see Thor? You didn't see Thor too, did you? No, yeah. no. Yeah, me neither. Unfortunately. No, I didn't either. Um, he, he brought up uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and he said the one thing he likes about it is the surrogate family dynamic, which is something we don't often talk about. But that is that is something you'd argue is very Firefly-like. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. they are on a ship flying through the air, literally, mm-hmm. and um, you throw all these people from all these different walks of life and somehow they got to coexist. So yeah, that that is definitely a theme in Firefly that I guess is is working in the uh, yeah in an Agents of Shield show. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on that, Adam? Mm, actually, no. Surprisingly. Oh, all right, all right. The medication's working. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, but, <laughs> are, you gonna, are, you tell, are you telling me that I should hold on to like extra Percocet <laughs> for future? Shows? Yeah, no, no, not at all, not at all. Um, Feast of Crows, uh, Floyd. I have read all five of the Game of Thrones book, and the fact that you're getting through Feast of Crows, kudos to you. I had to start Feast of Crows three times. 
I don't know, I got halfway through it, got sidetracked, it didn't kind of hold me. It was good in the end, and certainly need the read into book five, but man... It was uh, it was a slow go for me. That was the way I interpreted it. And I've enjoyed. In retrospect, I've enjoyed all five Game of Thrones books, but they get kind of ponderous sometimes. For me. Mm. But I. Uh, but that was just mine. And Zombie Spaceship Wasteland. M, have you heard about this book? I have not, but I followed Patton Oswalt for a very long time. He's he's so smart, and he's such he's a great comedian who can who can who can hit on so many different. Um, demographic levels. He's hilarious. Yeah. You know, I guess the question I have when you talk about books like, let's take Ready Player One or let's take uh, Zombie Spaceship Wasteland that are geared toward geeks and nerds of this generation is how much staying power do these books have after five years, ten years? You know? I'm not saying saying it's not good. I'm just saying that you take a book like George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones series. Uh, are Lord of the Rings, these books aren't confined to necessarily a time and place. True. They are, but like Ready Player One came out at just the right time. It's been X amount of years. It's, it's the, the audience that it was, that it was written for that, um, uh, Artie Pine, um, is it Artie Pine? No, Ernest Klein. So close. Ernie Klein wrote the book for. They're around and they're kids. And our the kids it's it's our generation. They're, our kids are getting into that techie kind of nerdy thing. And I do know of some younger kids who have read the book and like, well, what is that music? What is that game? And started that little resurgence. So I think within the within the nerd world, those books will be relevant because they will be handed down. They will. I. I. I really believe that. Mm. Um, outside the nerdy world, some people get it. They think it's fun, but it doesn't really directly tie to them because they. It just doesn't. It's not written for them. The audience will always be there for those books. Oh yeah, oh yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Floyd, for uh, for calling in and giving us your thoughts. And uh, let's move in. We have another uh, piece of listener feedback. And this comes from Jen M., who's going to be talking about the day of the Doctor, which, by the way, Jen, was phenomenal. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Miles, I can't believe you're not watching Doctor Who. but I need another show like you know. Yes, you, yeah, you, that's exactly right. Let me go ahead and play her thoughts on this, and then we'll chat about them. I can't wait to talk about Doctor Who anyways. Hi, guys. It's Jen from New York calling in. I uh, just want to let you guys know that I actually was able to get tickets to see the Day of the Doctor of Doctor Who special in the movie theaters on Monday night. And I have to tell you, I mean, it was so much bigger on the outside, on the big screen. I mean, this show definitely needed that. I mean, I watched it on TV also because I'm like, I just couldn't help myself. I was torn. I was like saying to myself, do I watch it on Saturday? Because it was like, I didn't know if it was the same thing that they were going to show on in the movie theaters. And I was kind of like, I'm like, do I wait to see it then or do I watch it now? And I couldn't help myself, so I watched it then. And I'm like, and it was just as good on TV, but I mean, so much better in the movies. I'm like, I hope they have like another event like this again. And like, you know, because, you know, shows like Doctor Who and Star Trek, it's like they need the big screen to show off their big special effects and all the people in it. I'm like, it was just like, wow. And I'm like, I teared up at the end, you know, especially seeing Tom Baker back in there. And I was just like, aw. 
I mean, she's so good. I'm like, it's just so, like, you know, sentimental. And I'm sure that they were going for that factor. You know, because, I mean, you know, because Tom Baker kind of was my first doctor. And, you know, because I used to watch it with my brother, because he started watching it then. And, you know, then the second one, you know, then after that was like Peter Davidson was my doctor. But still, I mean, just the way how they did it, bringing in all the doctors, that was just great. So, I was really happy I was able to get to see it. And um, I hope they do it again, like I said. But the, also I went to see uh, The Hunger Games Catching Fire, and I must say the second one was better than the first one. You know, I mean, I hate the way how they kind of cut it off at the end. You know, they kind of like did a Twilight Zone, Harry Potter kind of thing. You know, and they kind of just chop it right there. They probably just said, let's stop there. You know, let's uh, just continue making this, the third one that way. I mean, that kind of really gets me. I'm like, oh, really? Did you have to end it that way? And we got to wait until the same time next year to see the next one. At least it gives me time to read the third book. And I, just, and I tell you, these books, I mean, I tell you, it's like, I read the first two and then Mike, well, I sort of half read and half listened to it on audiobook because that was the only way how I was going to get through these books. Because <laughs> the first one in the beginning was really tough to get through. I was like, okay, if I'm going to read these things or try to do that, I'm like, I would. I'm like, that's it. And I'm like, and I really kind of enjoyed it more in audiobook. So and that's what I'll probably do like after I finish reading whatever I'm reading now. Because, like, who has time these days to really get through anything? But, uh, yeah, so, and, and it's funny because I was saying to my, my friend that, uh, you know, I went to see the movie called uh, Mortal Instrument. It was another, like, one of those teen series of books now that they're making into movies. And I never even read that one. And I'm like, I enjoyed it more. I actually laughed, too. I'm like, so go figure. So I'm like, I say to my, I'm like, I also say, I'm like, so should I read the book? And, you know, be annoying that they, just chop the heck out of them in, in the movies, you know, because maybe they just, like, have to speed up, you know, the action in it or something, but I'm like, because same thing with this other series of books I liked, and I'm still reading, it's called Beautiful Creatures, and they, and they left out the whole major point at the end. I'm like, if they're going to make a second one, they left out a whole major plot point, come on. I was like, what are they going to do? They're going to do it in the beginning of the second one if they make a sequel? So I was really kind of annoyed with that, because I like the book series. And it's like, what can we do? It's like you just either get frustrated because you read the books or enjoy it more and you don't read the books. That's my kind of dilemma. But as I said, I really loved Doctor Who. That was awesome. I'm like, oh, just got that sentimental value right there. It was great. I'm like, and well, look forward to Christmas too. <laughs> when the Christmas special comes out. Until then, have a good day. Well, thank you, Jen M. from New York for calling in. Why don't we start with Hunger Games and let's move into Doctor Who since we kind of have the feedback listed that way. Um, so she liked Hunger Games but not uh, wasn't thrilled with the ending. So mm -hmm. tell me about your thoughts and as you and your wife saw this. Because, um, did you, you didn't see this in theaters, right? Nope. No. Not yet. Not it's yet. Probably this weekend. Probably this weekend. So, but Miles, why don't you give us your thoughts? I could kind of understand what Jen is, is is saying as far as how it ended. For a two and a half hour movie, I thought it it moved pretty fast, and so um, I'm I'm almost hesitant to say how it how it ends because M hasn't seen it yet. And but I'll just say that I was first. Stop listening. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tune out, M. 
Um, well, it, you know, uh, we won't give any spoilers. I'm not going to spoil it. Um, well, let's just say at that point in the movie, I was, you know, I was thinking, okay, what's going to happen next? But then that's where the it seemed the, the ending did seem abrupt. But it was a two and a half hour movie though at the same time. So, uh, and you and your wife enjoyed it. We enjoyed it very much. Uh, I, I, I would agree that. Not that the first Hunger Games movie was was bad. It's just that this one just was so much better. Just right. the, the, it just the story moved along. It was not. It was focused on what's going on in that world. Not it wasn't just the games. The games are just um, a part of what was uh, going, what's on. going on in that world. So, yeah. um, but and you have not read the books, right? I, I haven't read the books. And yeah. um, did you read the books? No. It's another one of those. I'm not. I'm not interested. Right in the book. Well, you know what? I, it, I'm gonna be honest. I read the books and I loved the Hunger Games book. And Catching Fire was really good. Uh, they're talking. You know, we're ramping up for the the third and fourth movie because they're splitting Mockingjay into two, taking a book out of a uh, you know, <laughs> The Hobbit, I guess. Although they're gonna make it into three now. No, but but Mockingjay was my least favorite. And I heard for the first time another teacher saying, oh, I love Mockingjay. It was so great. But Mockingjay was my least favorite of them. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see how it translates. Um, you know, Hunger Games was the book that got everyone hooked on Suzanne Collins. And then when Catching Fire came out, that it continued. And then I heard mixed reviews when Mockingjay came out. So it'll be interesting, interesting to see how they translate it to film and whether they continue the great success the movies seem to be having. I heard. I, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I, I, I heard that it had a very strong opening this weekend. Yeah. Uh, well, Laurie S. and Damien both said that they really liked it. It was an excellent job, and um, and uh, so they really were glad to see it, mm-hmm. along with you. And Gemma, of course, commented, but we heard from her. Well, let's talk about what she said about the uh, 50th anniversary of Doctor Who's special. And, M, Miles, you're kind of out of this, but, M, why don't we... Uh, Let's talk about this a little bit. What did you think about the 50th anniversary special? So, so good. I had a grin on my face for most of the. Um, <laughs> it was out of the Percocet. <laughs> it was, and it wasn't even because of the Percocet. It was um, just for reference. I don't take Percocet on a like, <laughs> recreational basis. I had my tonsils out on the on the 18th. Yeah, I guess we should clarify that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and um. There were moments where I, I didn't get where they were going with the story, and upon watching it a second time, it made a little bit more sense. But I think it's because I was just so much in the glow of, yay, something new and interesting, and the opportunity to visit with you know with my favorite doctor, who was the tenth doctor. I love David Tennant, and he delivered what I needed from him, and his interaction with Matt Smith was wonderful, and John Hurt as as the missing oh. doctor was just deliciously portrayed. I mean, he's an elegant actor to begin with. So to have him involved in this collective is wonderful. And the story went on really, really well and beautifully done. And I I haven't been a big Clara fan, but I am now. I am now. Yeah. And the way that it finished and the very end, that wonderful little, like, this little beautiful dessert treat that would match. Well, spoilers abound. I'm sorry. Um, 
when Matt's with the doc, the, the doctor sitting there and he's thinking, I could be a curator. And you hear the voice. It doesn't even cut to his face. It's just his voice. And I got chills. Like this moment of, I know who that is. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then they turn to him and there's that wonderful, familiar face that you love. And you don't care that the curls are all silver and the face is a little fuller and the voice is a little gravelier. That's your doctor. And it just... there. At that moment, I squeed. I actually <laughs> squeaked something out. That my mom came running into the room. Is everything okay? And I said, yes, look who it is. I don't know who that is. I know. <laughs> it was just, it was joyful and so satisfying to me. Yeah. So very satisfying. Even the lines Tom Baker delivers, uh, some of those had to be, now I did not watch mm-hmm. Tom Baker's Doctor Who, but some of those lines and what he had to say and matters just had to be straight from the, his Doctor Who era. Mm. But, but I agree. I I loved it. Um, R- Rose bringing Rose in as the consciousness didn't bother me. Um, I can't say that she was my favorite companion, but she was kind of the companion that got me into Doctor Who. Um, as far as you know, with David Tennant, and and I was glad they kind of worked him a little bit into those little flashbacks of seeing all the Doctors flash mm-hmm. through when they make, um. Gallifrey disappear, but mm. yeah. So it was, it was just was, it was well done. And I agree. And seeing David Tennant back on as Doctor Who, he didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss oh. a beat. It was his lines. It was the way he delivered them and his mannerisms. Oh, you be decorated. I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's my doctor. Boy, and the way they kind of cycled through the ships there, uh, that was awesome. The, you know, the, the TARDIS, and you saw the different TARDISes. Oh, it was great. It was awesome. I can't say enough. I uh, I have to watch the episode again. I, I only had time to watch it once, but <laughs> it was good. It was good. And a lot of everyone, a lot of people are saying the same thing. Claire McLaughlin likes it. Uh, Damien likes it. Uh, who else? Joan, as we said, likes it. Neo likes it. Wayne Henderson watched his first full Doctor episode in a decade. So he missed all the new Doctor Who, mm-hmm. but loved it. So The lo- part that really got me the most was that at the moment where you you get you get the little glimpse of the thirteen No, it's all thirteen. And you see all the images and everyone's chiming in and and I had the flat I had a moment where I stepped out and I thought there are millions of people right now watching and feeling the exact same thing I am right now. This is immense. And this is a dynasty, a true dynasty that everyone, the world is involved in, but it's, it's a positive, pleasurable, creative one. And it was just, it was just, just pile. It was joyful is, is the best word to describe. Yeah. It was definitely a moment that, if you even if you weren't a Doctor Who fan, that was a moment in history. So, mm. so and you know you really could watch this and have it stand alone as its own episode. There are mm-hmm. a lot of throwbacks, a lot of bones thrown out there for Doctor Who fans, but mm-hmm. it did hold together. You didn't have to like watch other Doctor Who. You would have lost some of the references, but mm. I think you could, I think it would have held up. But mm-hmm. um, well. We're running out of time here, but I think the one thing we do need to talk about is Almost Human. That premiered last week, and we got some feedback on Almost Human. And, uh, Miles, I know you watched it. Em, did you watch Almost Human? Yes. Okay, and and are you caught up in Almost Human? I did not see last night, but I saw the pilot and the first – so basically the pilot and and the – I guess second episode. 
Okay. So let's chat about what, what, how are you feeling about, uh, Miles, let's start with you. How are you feeling about, uh, Almost Human here? Um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think Carl Urban and, uh, the actor's name who plays his, his synth- synthetic par- partner eludes me at the moment, but, um, starts with a D, but I don't remember his name. The, well, the, the character's name is Dorian. Oh, there you go. But I, I thought they had good chemistry together. So it, it's sort of interesting. It's like 35 years in the future. Is this plausible that we could have human-like androids running around? Um, so, but but still not too far removed from our present that we can't relate to it. When I heard that this, the third episode, which I haven't seen yet, really upped the ante. Oh, it did. Uh, it was, it was, it was the first step. Ep- like I heard mixed reviews about the first two episodes, but I've been hearing a lot of good things about the third episode, which I haven't watched yet, mm-hmm. but people are saying this is really solid. And I'm going to tell you, I, I enjoyed, I only watched the first half of the two parter mm-hmm. that they aired back to back there. And, and, uh, the first episode, I enjoyed the development. I think the, the synth, the synthetic is actually the more interesting of the two characters. Well, in, in the second episode, it was, it was interesting about um, Dorian's having a conversation with uh, Carl Urban's character about why do you know why do you tell people when somebody dies they go to a better place and so, so I was like well I guess just to make people feel better and um, some people actually believe that and you know but Dorian's like but there's no scientific proof for that but then at the at the end of the episode. The, well, in the second episode, it's no surprise. They explore, what do you got to do with robots? Sex bots, you know? But they have to, unfortunately, turn this one sex bot off because they found a way to use human DNA to make her more lifelike, and but that's illegal, and and he's trying to sort of I mean, comfort her. I mean, her programming is very limited, but he feels compassion towards this female sex bot, and, and, and she says, uh, what's going to happen to me? And he goes... You're going to go to a better place, and I'll always remember you. Oh, so very good. It was very, you know, so that, that was kind of cool, just exploring, you know. Um, it's good they got that out of the way early in the show. <laughs> these, these got, you know, it's like, what are you going to do with robots? Of course, you're there, if you could do that, you're going to do it with robots. You're going right. to make some kind of sex spot. But, That's right. But at the same time, it was, it, was, it was kind of, you know, it was, that was kind of cool of just exploring. He, he's exploring his own existence yeah. and him trying to be humane, even though he's not human. Em, how about for you? How's this show pulling off for you? What are you liking? What are you not liking in the show? I love the dynamic between Dorian and Carl Urban's character. They are hilarious. The first ep- the first episode really set things up beautifully. And the second episode gave us kind of a little insight into Carl Urban's character. But the snarkiness and the, the smart-ass friendship that has already... It didn't take long for it to develop. There's a line <laughs> in it where... Um, the, key, the Dorian comments about Carl Urban's character needing to date. And Carl Urban's like, you know, they, I think Dorian put a, a an odd line ad for him, a dating. On, and there was a little tete-a-tete. And there was a conversation that I can't remember how it started. But Dorian said, look, I've scanned your testicles and you need release. And Urban just goes, dude, you scanned my balls. <laughs> Don't ever scan my balls again. All right. But you're backed up. That moment. That- <laughs> I think it's three seconds, but that kind of writing, if it's not delivered with honesty and earnestness, it sounds crass and tacky. They did it. I, I've sold. I've sold. 
Oh man. And it's that kind of dialogue and that kind of humor that'll keep that'll keep people coming back for it. Mm-hmm. So, so I can't wait to watch the uh, next two episodes that have queued up. I'm a little bit behind in that, but I'm glad we have a sci-fi show with robots on it again. Yeah, yes, I like robots. Yeah, since Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. Sarah Connor Chronicles. But all right, well, hey, there's other stuff we could talk about, but we are out of time tonight. Um, so we appreciate everyone tuning in to our listener feedback show. If you have your thoughts about any shows, TV shows that you're watching, anything that we said tonight that you want to comment on, please give us a call. The number in the email and everywhere else you can reach us is going to be given here at the end of the show by M and uh, the recorded M. Um, <laughs> you know, she's here, but the not, not here. not doped up sounding like Yeah, they're not doped up, M. So. <laughs> my throat, M. Yeah, that am. Um, but we do appreciate you joining us here at the diner, and uh, we love you guys, and we're thankful for you guys, and we look forward to chatting with you guys again in the future. I believe that's Yay. it, Miles. All right, till next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. Everybody, do your dailies. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about, or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888-508-4343, or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com, or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com. You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast.com. <laughs>